Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, here as always with my dear friend and fake black extraordinaire, white boy Malcolm X. How you doing today, sir? How has your weekend been going so far? Mine's been fine. Lazy, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, other than show prep, and I've got a, a decent pile here, but we'll get into that that shortly. You know, I meant to ask you, though, your show, um, Kingdom, are you are you done with that yet? <gasps> oh, well, I would look at it this way. You, you have plenty of time then. If you've got nine of ten episodes for, what is that, third season, right, last season, then you would have plenty of time to, to mourn the loss of, of Kingdom when that's over, much like you did when Zach Efron's dad bod show <laughs> ended some time ago. And you can pre-mourn like the Republicans are probably doing right now because it's probably over, most likely over. Uh, but I think there are a couple that are still in denial about that. So I'm, I'm not really going to say a lot about the election. It is as it is. And it's not like the Democrats have not cheated before. <laughs> I mean, they, they, everyone knows back in 1960, the uh, Nixon-Kennedy race, uh, the fix was in, in that one. So they've been doing this for like 60 years. They got this down, folks. So they are not going to screw up, screw this thing up for, for dear old creepy Uncle Joe. And I'm not, I don't have a lot of political articles. I always said I don't want to do a lot of politics on this show, at least directly, kind of indirectly uh, amongst other themes. But um, I do have a couple articles and I'll, I'll get into that. Well, might as well get into it right now. And we will kick off today's show with an article from Pink News. So, yes, White Boy Malcolm X, we are doing the gay stuff first. Although, I have to be honest with you, I'm going to be up front. Uh, there's not a lot of, like, full-on gay stuff. It's just everything is politics this week with the election. All my stories, all my good stories, my normal my normal ones are not there. Although, I have to say, I'm just going to warn everyone towards the end of the show. I am never, ever going to talk about teachers who screw their students taking a week off ever again because, you know, we did. We had like one week where there were no teachers banging any students and I've got like a small mini pile of them this week. It's kind of creepy, like creepy Uncle Joe, but we're going to get into it anyway. And so this one, like I said, is from Pink News and the headline is, Joe Biden is the first president-elect in history to include transgender people in his victory speech. Joe Biden's presidency comes with many firsts, and as he took to the stage on Saturday night, he added a new one, the first president-elect to mention trans people in his victory speech. Addressing a jubilant crowd in his hometown of Wilmington, Delaware, the new president-elect declared it was now America's time to heal and vowed to unify the nation once again. 
I am proud of the campaign we built and ran. I am proud of the coalition we put together, the broadest and most diverse coalition in history, he said. Democrats, Republicans, independents, progressives, moderates, conservatives, young, old, urban, suburban, and rural, gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American. <gasps> wow, my heart just got a flood of there. He mentioned us too, white boy Malcolm X. He said gay. But you know what he did not say? Yes, he did forget lesbian. He forgot bisexuals. And he forgot the questioning community. And he forgot the plus, right? Because it's what is it? LGBTQ plus. And he forgot the L, the B, the Q, and the plus. <laughs> so all those plus people in the questioning community are probably a little bit upset right now. Amid a chorus of cheers, applause, and pumping car horns, he continued, I mean it, especially for those moments when this campaign was at its lowest ebb, the African-American community stood up again for me. They always have my back and I'll have yours. I said from the outset, I wanted a campaign that represented America, and I think we did that. Now that's what I want the administration to look like. Biden's victory speech was a reassuring return to the professional presidential rhetoric eschewed by Donald Trump, who, by the way, is a vicious racist and transphobe, much like J.K. Rowling is a transphobe, and a sign of his intention to be a president to all people, including marginalized groups. Well, I, I don't know about you, white boy Malcolm X, but I, I, I'm sure the trans community is feeling much better because Joe Biden just said the word transgender. <laughs> I, pandering, I guess, is good for the soul. Here's another political article. We might as well get to the other one. What Vice President Kamala Harris means to marginalized people. And there's a lot of marginalized people all over the place. Madam Vice President Kamala Harris has a beautiful ring to it. And there's a massive outpouring of admiration on social media for the woman who shattered the vice presidency's glass ceiling with several firsts. She's the first woman, the first black woman, and that's capital B black, so you know she's black, and the first person of South Asian heritage to be elected to either of the two highest offices in the country. A U.S. senator from California, Harris is the daughter of two immigrants. Her mother was born in India and her father in Jamaica. And if you don't know, her father's ancestors once owned slaves, and a lot of them apparently. She became only the third black woman to seek a major party's presidential nomination when she ran in the Democratic primary opposite Joe Biden, now president-elect, and who she called a racist. But I guess he's no longer a racist. Harris began her career in the district attorney's office in California's Alameda County before becoming DA for the city and county of San Francisco, and then California's attorney general. And yes, she slept her way to the top thanks to Willie Brown. Long an LGBTQ plus ally, Harris as AG refused to defend Proposition 8, the voter-approved ballot initiative that revoked marriage equality in California in 2008. She also led the charge to abolish gay and trans panic defenses in criminal trials. While Harris has a long history with the LGBTQ plus community, often appearing at pride events, her, speaking of pandering, her rise to the vice presidency has inspired so many, especially those people who feel represented by her identities. Question for you, white boy Malcolm X. How long do you think, what is the bet, how long do you think it's going to be before creepy Uncle Joe gets put out to pasture and she's president? Would you say before or after the 4th of July next year? See, I, I think it's going to be before. I... I they're not going to waste any time. <laughs> They're not going to waste a damn. They're going to get him in the wheelchair and just push him off. 
He's gone. He's out of there. Well, President, a year now, we will have uh, President Kamala Harris. This is from Queerty. Another OnlyFans star comes out as pro-COVID, accuses people of being intolerant of his opinions. And folks, I have to admit, I finally, because we've had a couple of these OnlyFans um, stories. And so I just broke down and went to OnlyFans thinking, I just, I figured it was a porn site. So I didn't want to go and just kind of look at it. But apparently it's, a, it's porn is in there, but it's like everything. You can just look at whatever, you know, these little fake celebrities, like these little TikTok kids I want to punch in the face. Not not literally, we don't want to espouse violence here on the Miller Frost Show, but I kind of want to lightly slap them, I think I've said before. But OnlyFans is kind of one of these go-and-be-famous websites. And I guess you can go and be famous in a triple X way, or you can just be go-and-be-famous in a kind of a stupid way, like a lot of them do. But let's dig in and see what's going on here on OnlyFans. Another day, another internet porn star casually talking about eugenics and how coronavirus is a great way to weed out people who don't deserve to live any longer because they're too old, too sick, or both. First, it was former Corbin Fisher model Quinn Choir saying he doesn't think COVID-19 is deadly enough. Now it's OnlyFans performer Rocky Villarda, who called it a hashtag boomer remover. Villarda got into a heated exchange with fans yesterday on Twitter, of course, during which he made all sorts of outrageous claims about coronavirus, including saying people are taking it too seriously and that lockdowns shouldn't be enforced just so someone's grandma can live a few more years. Everyone's going to die at some point, Valletta said in one tweet. The sooner we accept it, the sooner we'll be able to move forward instead of living in fear. The amount of suicides has gone up, but it's not being discussed, he said in another. Poverty, economic distress, and all is being caused just so someone's grandma can live a few more years. And you know what, White Boy Malcolm X? I, I hate to agree with a porn star, a gay porn star at that, but there is something to be, not that I want grandma to die, don't get me wrong, folks, but there is something to be said that the collateral damage in all this, and that is about the number of suicides, the drug overdoses, people who really had nothing to begin with, have no jobs, they can't pay their rent, they're months behind in their rent, they're scrambling to get food on the table. Nobody wants to talk about that. Now, I wouldn't phrase it like it's that because grandma has to live, but I mean, the guy kind of has a little bit of a point, I have to say. There is a substantial amount of collateral damage to this thing that nobody wants to talk about. Anyway, now that I am done agreeing with a gay porn star, God, I never thought I would say that, but let's pick back up. To be very clear, anyone, regardless of their age or health, can die from COVID-19. When someone pointed out that COVID-19 disproportionately affects minority communities, which we already know, Valerda replied, I believe you're referring to poor people that need to work to survive. Don't make it a racial issue because it's not. This is a worldwide thing, so don't narrow it like that. Man, I'm kind of having to agree with the gay porn star again. After igniting a firestorm, Valerda posted a follow-up tweet scolding people for not being more open to his personal opinions on something he knows absolutely nothing about. So says the, the writer of this article and a little bit of editorializing. Shaming people into agreeing with you is only going to cause more dissent, he tweeted. Listen to people and express yourself properly and politely to reach a common ground or to change your view. Don't be a dick just because you think you read more stuff than someone. And that... <laughs> I am now agreeing with a gay porn star, folks, three times in a row. This gay porn star, Rocky Valerda, I agree with him three times. You know, first, there is a lot of collateral damage that nobody wants to talk about. They think they can kind of throw some extra unemployment money at it and it'll go away, but it's not going to. 
The fact is that this is not a, a racial issue because it's a global pandemic. It's, it's affecting all people at all classes and all races. And, and third, bullying people online, which is what, you know, a lot of these leftist queens like to do anyway. Uh, it doesn't help the situation. It's not going to improve anything. I, I'm sorry to say he's, he's done. I mean, I don't know what the shelf life of a gay porn star is anyway, but whatever it is, it's over for him. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. No, not like that, white boy Malcolm X, you pervert. Speaking of, of COVID, though, I'm just going to jump. I'll, I'll get back to the gay stuff, but don't worry about it, white boy Malcolm X. But I want to jump to a Boston.com story because they're doing that here now. We've got in the state of Massachusetts, where I am and white boy Malcolm X is, we have a curfew. And you have to be inside your house between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. You're not supposed to be out. And if you are out in public, you are supposed to have a mask on. And you can face, folks, a $300 fine. If you don't have your mask on, so if you're like walking on the street at 6 a.m. to go get a little exercise and there's not another living soul around, Governor Charlie Baker, that stupid doofus, says you still have to have a mask on or face $300 fine. Governor Charlie Baker often stresses that the state's response to the COVID-19 pandemic would follow the public health data. However, the Massachusetts governor's no-exemptions public face-covering mandate part of a slate of new orders that take effect Friday to address the recent increase in infections and hospitalization is receiving criticism from some of the public health experts who say the new rule departs from that science-based approach. We're becoming Michigan at this point, white boy Malcolm X, whatever that stupid governor out there is. Masks are a really important prevention tool when we're close to other people, especially indoors, but there's really no reason to be wearing a mask when you're outdoors and you're not close to anyone, Julia Marcus, an infectious disease epidemiologist at Harvard Medical School, said in an interview Thursday. Amen, sister. Baker's new order requires individuals to wear face coverings at virtually all times, indoor and outdoor public places, eliminating the previous mask mandates exception for when people can maintain six feet of distances from each other, though it does not apply to people who are under the age of five or have medical conditions that make mask wearing dangerous. Again, violators may face a fine of $300. According to Baker, the updated order sends a simple message. When you go out, wear a mask. As general guidance, epidemiologists agree. Study after study has shown that masks prevent people, perhaps most importantly asymptomatic people, from spreading the coronavirus to others, particularly indoors where the vast majority of transmission occurs. However, given the extremely limited evidence of outdoor transmission, Marcus says Baker's previous order requiring individuals to wear masks in indoor public settings, as well as outside when they can't stay at least six feet from others, should have been perfectly adequate. As an HIV prevention researcher who has written about the dangers of an all-or-nothing approach to risk during the pandemic, Marcus called the new order a bit arbitrary. And arbitrary public health rules are a way to break the public's trust, which is essential to keeping people engaged in public health efforts, she said. I think a mandate like this, that people know is arbitrary, is going to do more to reduce trust than it will to reduce infections. No kidding. Marcus also noted that the order means people who don't have private outdoor space will no longer be able to go outside and breathe fresh air without a mask on, which will inequitably affect the socioeconomically disadvantaged. So there you go, folks. <laughs> That's the real reason why, because it disproportionately affects the poor. And to tell you how dumb this is, I, I walked into town this morning to get my coffee like I always do, and I leave around you know seven o'clock in the morning, and I walk up into town, and I get my coffee and I come home, and 
I didn't see another living soul. A couple of cars passed by at seven in the morning, but I didn't, there was nobody out. There, it literally, it, I didn't have my mask on. I didn't really care. I was like, screw it. You can give me a $300 fine for walking alone on a sidewalk. So be it. But you know, no, I did got no ticket. So we'll see how long this mandate goes on. But my guess is at least to the end of the year, uh, early January before he lifts that. Fun times in the state of Massachusetts. Okay, let's get back to the gay stuff. Sam Smith reveals they, yes, folks, yes, he's a funky pronoun person. They feel so much pressure sexually and personally since coming out as a non-binary. And this is another pink news story. Sam Smith said that since coming out as non-binary, they feel so much pleasure sexually and personally. When chatting with Fern Cotton on her Happy Place podcast, Smith revealed how being unapologetically themselves has opened their eyes. I have to say, being non-binary my whole life, I feel so much pleasure sexually, personally, and all these things they said. I move and express myself in ways that are just wonderful, and I do see people restrict themselves sometimes into this corner because that's what they've been told to do, and that's what they think is correct. The 28-year-old implored people to wear some heels and a skirt, and you want to dance if you want to express yourself in a certain way. Why would you deny yourself that pleasure? Because it's gay or because that's too queer? Well, yes, Sam, I think it is a little gay if I put on some... (laughs) No one wants to see me in heels and a skirt anyway, but... And that reminds me of the story we had. What was that, White Boy Malcolm X, uh, a week or two ago, where the the man liked to dress up in, like, shorts and and short skirts, rather, and and heels and all this other stuff. And he was, like, 61 years old. He was having a a gay old time. But apparently he was very straight. But he just liked to wear women's clothes. So go figure that one. Smith added, It's about trying to be limitless, I think. And to be limitless, you have to dare greatly, right? And be ready for it to go wrong sometimes or feel weird. I can't express enough to people the freedom you feel from just enjoying your body and enjoying your mind and enjoying your life. Sam Smith told Fern Cotton about the difficulties of being themselves in the music industry. They said, For me, in terms of being myself fully in my career, that was all about my queerness. And what did I just say last week, White Boy Malcolm X? There are gay people, and there are people who happen to be gay. And (laughs) he is all about the queerness. But I do come up against it, and that's hard. I'm in a position that not many people have been in in terms of pop music singing. There we go, folks. Sam Smith has had much pleasure sexually and personally since he's become out as non-binary. And Sam, let me just tell you a couple things. First, your music isn't that great. That Bond theme sucked. <laughs> it was horrible. You, you know, I'm sorry, you had enough to live up to, you know, the year after Adele knocks it out of the park. But, oof, God, that stank. Horrible. You need to focus on your music more, not your queerness. And I'm just going to say this. Now that you demand the special pronouns, you're an even bigger pain in the ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I, look, I wish him the best, and I, I, I actually appreciate what he's trying to say. Just go out there and be yourself and, and trying new things and quirky things and, and, and being brave enough to fail or what have you. And I, I applaud that effort, don't get me wrong, but this whole I am now non-binary and you have to use my special pronouns. Because those people, I'll tell you what, if you don't use the right pronouns, they get really pissed off. So another one where they get the sense of humor, get the sense of humor, uh, you know, removed surgically, because if you don't use the right pronouns, then they're going to say it's a microaggression. But hey, you know, that's that's Sam Smith. Well, I don't know if he's had a hit in I don't know how many years. Last gay story, White Boy Malcolm X, and this is from Queerty. 
Charles M. Blow. <laughs> Folks, that's his name. I'm just saying. That's his name. Charles M. Blow puts white gays who voted for Trump on Mega Blast. And what did I... I literally said this last week, White Boy Malcolm X, that they are going after the white queens. And you and I can't hide behind that anymore, right? So last week, folks, we had a story on last week's podcast about racism infesting the Philadelphia gayborhood. All those prissy, pretentious, sanctimonious liberal queens in Philadelphia are nothing but a pack of racist Klansmen. That's what we heard. And we've had articles about those queens in Atlanta, the white queens who during COVID kept partying and kept going in the bars and packing into the bars and no masks and spreading that COVID around. And then we had an article about those white London queens buying up all the prep. So the minority communities were then disproportionately affected in the possibility of catching HIV because they didn't have the prep because all the white London queens took it all. And now Charles M. Blow puts white gays who voted for Trump on mega blast. Author and New York Times columnist Charles M. Blow did not hold back after learning just how many LGBTQ voters cast their ballots for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. And we had an article on that last week as well. Exit surveys conducted by Edison Research for the National Election Pool found that 28% of the LGBTQ vote went to Trump. That's up from 14% in 2016. And let me just tell you something, folks. If you're one of the 28%, I, Miller Frost, I am America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. You're probably self-loathing because you voted for Trump. But you're not going to take my title. I'm just I'm telling you that right now. The percentage of LGBT voting for Trump doubled from 2016, doubled, and that was an all-caps blow tweeted. This is why LGBT people of color don't really trust the white gays. Yes, I said what I said, period. After receiving backlash for his remarks, Blow, who was bisexual, followed up with another tweet saying, and for you boys, and then he capitalizes boys again, who think homophobic slurs hurt me, ha 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 ha. I've been invincible longer than your body has been excreting hormones. So, why did such a large number of LGBTQ people vote for the bigot who has spent the last four years actively working to take away their rights? Good question. But a recent study out of the Williams Institute could explain it, and this is the story we had last week. It found that 41% of LGB Republicans say they wish they were straight, and 38% of them believe their sexuality is a character flaw. Whatever the reason, Blow is right. This election has shown us that LGBTQ people still have a lot of work to do when it comes to confronting race and racism within our own community. Heavens. Mercy. That was a lot. So Charles M. Blow, the author and New York Times columnist, is not liking the white gays. You know what, white boy Malcolm X? I'm sorry, but I am not. Now, I might be America's most beloved self-loving homosexual, but I am not. I do not like being lectured to by some smug New York Times columnist who's a, who's a bisexual. He's not even, like, fully in the community. He's, like, halfway in. Like, the, the B is, like, barely in. I mean, the guy can't even commit. <laughs> he can't even commit to one way. Just like, I'll do anyone. That's what a bisexual is. I'll, I'll just take whatever I can get tonight. Right. And quite frankly, someone like Charles M. Blow, in my opinion, is probably just he's as big a queen as the rest of us. <laughs> he just doesn't want to admit it. So he's just like, well, well, I'm bisexual. I'm, I'm just I'm bisexual. That's just what I what I do. Guy's a fraud. Anyway, that was that with Charles M. Blow.
And I actually only have one race article, White Boy Malcolm X, and this is from the Sacramento Bee. Black California state employees find racial slurs written on cards on their desks. Three California state employees found racial slurs written on cards on their desks when they arrived at work Friday morning at their West Sacramento office. Small note cards on the desks of two black men at the Office of State Publishing each contain the N-word, according to the employees. A white man with photos of his black wife and daughter also found a card with the N-word on his desk. I'm a little blown away, said Michael Fletcher, 53, a heavy truck driver who was one of the black men affected. I'm still trying to process it. C.J. Brown, a white warehouse worker at the office, was the first to discover the cards when he arrived at 6.30 a.m. I've never seen anything like it, Brown said. It's like something you see in movies regarding high school children. Brown said his supervisor, a black man, was the third person who found a card on his desk. The supervisor reported the incident to one of his superiors, and someone called the California Highway Patrol, Brown said. This white boy Malcolm X makes absolutely no sense to me. First off, what are black people doing calling the police? Because everyone knows when the police show up, they're just going to shoot the black people because they're just, that's, they are the enforcer of systemic racism. Everyone knows that. Secondly, why would you call the California Highway Patrol for something that happened in an office? So if you're driving along and you get in a car wreck, I can see calling the California Highway Patrol, but you're sitting in your office and there's a little card on it that has the N-word on it. And you're like, let's not call the sheriff. Let's not call the police. Let's call chips. <laughs> I think Eric Estrada is not going to show up. <laughs> no, he is not going to show up to this office. Let's pick back up on the article. Eric Estrada. He said the chip came. So <laughs> the California Highway Patrol just said, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll come to the office and handle that for you. Uh, and spoke with people in the office, but determined a crime hadn't been committed. And there you go, folks. And you wonder why I say the police are the the guardians and the enforcers of systemic racism. They called the California Highway Patrol for something that happened in an office. They showed up, and it was not Eric Estrada. And they looked at the N-word, and they're like, eh, there's no crime here. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Chip couldn't immediately provide more information to the Sacramento Bay. The office ended up letting everyone leave work early this afternoon, Fletcher and Brown said. Department of General Services spokeswoman Monica Hassan said in an email that the department referred the matter to state law enforcement and launched an internal investigation. Hassan said the department has offered impacted workers paid time off and other resources to cope with any trauma. Fletcher says he believes the notes are connected to the presidential election, which has created tension in the office. At one point, upset after President Donald Trump refused to clearly condemn white supremacy during the first presidential debate, that's where creepy Uncle Joe brought up the Proud Boys, which isn't a white supremacist group, but Joe Biden is so out of it, he, you know, he labeled a group run by a Latino a white supremacist group. He complained about a senior manager who had had a Trump bumper sticker on his personal vehicle, he said. And that, folks, is where we're going in this country. So that office has a little bit of tension in it because of the political race, which is odd in California because I figure they all vote for, for Biden anyway. But this guy shows up to work with a Trump bumper sticker and this tattletale goes and runs crying. He's got a Trump bumper sticker on, on his car. That means he's a racist and a white supremacist. <laughs> What a little bitch. The International Union of Operating Engineers, which represent Fletcher and Brown, and Fletcher, folks, is that little bitch tattletale, <laughs> plans to file a health and safety grievance, Union Representative Brandy Johnson said. Fletcher and Brown each said they hadn't experienced racism at the office before. Well, that seems odd. I mean, you've got a senior manager with a Trump bumper sticker on his car. 
But Fletcher, the tattletale little bitch, said there are very few black people in upper management and characterized the office culture as old school, describing another incident in which a racial slur was casually used without repercussions. So white boy Malcolm X, what are the odds? Because you're fake black, so you might, you might know this. What do you think the odds are that one of these three, that one of these three with the N-word card on their desk is the one that put <laughs> the N-word card on the desk? And I'm sure some of you out there are like, oh, how dare you accuse someone of doing something like this? But, but folks, this does happen on a somewhat regular basis. Now, granted, it tends to happen on college campuses <laughs> where those hysterical kids run around and they do these things to show the, the, uh, what could happen to them at some point. But, you know, if they want to get out of like a homework assignment or something, they'll hang like a noose outside their door. They'll write the N-word on their door. And they run around crying about systemic racism. And then they get caught about it. And they're like, well, I just wanted to call attention to the matter. So it's not really my fault. And they never get punished for it. So I'm sure one of these guys just wanted a couple of extra days off. And so he can claim mental anguish at having the N-word on his desk. I, I can't believe that little bitch tattled about a guy with a Donald. First off, the guy, the, the senior manager showed up with a Donald Trump sticker. You had to drive around with a Donald Trump sticker on your car in California. You are, you are one brave soul. <laughs> But, I mean, to have this guy, like, tattletale on him. I mean. Okay. And then moving on. Emerging behavior problems. Bidirectional relationship between parenting style and infant temperament. And this is from Monitor on Psychology. Yes, white boy Malcolm X. <laughs> Monitor on Psychology. Why? Is that surprising that I read Monitor on Psychology? I do. As a matter of fact, I I do. And here's one of those. I actually have two articles from them. I, I found two that fit into the show perfectly. So here's the first one. Parenting style and child temperament influence one another and both contribute to children's behavior. And wait for it, White by Malcolm X. There is a purpose to reading this article. You'll see. Just calm down over there. So let's start this again. Parenting style and child temperament influence one another and both contribute to children's behavior problems, according to this study in developmental psychology. Researchers conducted a longitudinal study of 201 mothers and 151 fathers and their children. They found that mothers with a more authoritative parenting style had infants with greater capacity to regulate their behavior at six months, and mothers with a more permissive parenting style had infants with less capacity to regulate their behavior. In turn, higher infant regulatory capacity and negative effect at six months predicted greater maternal permissive parenting style at 18 months. Further, several parenting styles and infant temperament types at six months predicted toddlers externalizing and internalizing problem behaviors at 18 months. And you're probably like, why, Miller, are you reading me this story? Because, folks, we can play the game. What do you think the parenting style was of the brat I'm reading about? First article, AOC facing heat for wanting to archive online posts by Trump sycophants. And if you don't know who AOC is, she's that new congresswoman who is a former bartender who is as dumb as a cocktail olive, as I like to say. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is facing heat for urging her supporters to create an archive of online postings by Trump sycophants who may later regret their affiliation with the president. Is anyone archiving these Trump sycophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity in the future? Ocasio-Cortez tweeted on Friday. I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, photos in the future, the lawmaker wrote. Commenters quickly decided the list-making endeavor was something a ruthless communist dictator would love. Joseph is proud of you, one user wrote, referring to notorious Soviet Union dictator Joseph Stalin. 
Another person posted a photo of Mao Zedong with the caption, Big shoes to fill, but you'll get there. (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez received a since-deleted response from an ex-staffer of former President Barack Obama, Michael Simon, who shared a link to a site called the Trump Accountability Project. The site said it aims to embarrass and hold accountable people complicit in the worst behaviors of Trump's presidency, including his campaign staff, White House staff, donors, and even lawyers. The world should never forget those who, when faced with a decision, chose to put their money, their time, and their reputations behind separating children from their families, encouraging racism and anti-Semitism, and negligently causing the unnecessary loss of life and economic devastation from our country's failed response to the COVID-19 pandemic, the site reads. It's like a nutty Santa Claus. <laughs> Making a list and checking it twice. So what, what do you think her mother's parenting style was? Whatever you want to do, honey. God, she's vicious. I mean, she's like, what, mid-20s, and she's already this nasty and mean. Oof, can you wait till, wait till she's in menopause? Oof. And here's another woman. It's a New York Post article. Woman charged with spitting in NYPD sergeant's face at Manhattan protest. And before I dig into this article, folks, I first I need to apologize because I always say that if they're rioting and having fun, it's just usually a bunch of hysterical white women, white millennial women. But, white boy Malcolm X, I know, not white this time. So, I'm sorry I generalized to hysterical white women, but apparently it's mostly hysterical white women, much like a mostly peaceful protest. It's mostly hysterical white women, but occasionally there's a minority thrown in there. A cop-hitting demonstrator was charged with spitting in an NYPD sergeant's face during wild protests in Manhattan Wednesday night, police said. Davina Singh, 24, was caught on video without a mask and screaming at the sergeant, F you fascist, before allegedly spitting on him. I wonder if she's keeping a list. Singh, who lives in tiny Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, was charged with obstruction of governmental administration, violation of local law, and harassment. Singh and her comrades... Now that's... Look, I'm sorry, I forgot to show you that picture, White Boy Michael Max. Look, all hysterical white women, and then there's her. Singh and her comrades were among the mob of left-wing anti-cop protesters who clashed with police in the West Village, of all places, lit garbage on fire, and screamed at diners outdoors, cops said. And Pittsburgh, folks, is where there was actually a Black Lives Matter protest with actual black people because they went up and I remember that that article and that woman came up and stole that other woman's drink right off the table. It was like yelling about them being white. Sixty people were arrested. But don't worry, folks, it's it's New York. There's a no bail law. They were all let go, including hysterical Davina Singh, the, 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 the stupid, dopey Indian chick that spit on a cop. So I guess I guess why by Malcolm X. Davina Singh got nothing else to do in Schwenksville, Pennsylvania. She gets in a car and drives from Pennsylvania to New York <laughs> to, to riot. I guess she was in, in Schwenksville going, what am I going to do? On my Instagram pictures, I got, they're all caught up and my Twitter feed is all caught up. <gasps> I'll drive to New York and protest with some hysterical white women. <gasps> okay there, Davina. She'll make a fabulous, you know, bureaucrat in the Biden in the Biden administration. She can take her list and go after white fascist pig cops. This story, I guess, is a little sad, but we'll get into that. Um, This is from Fox News. Oregon becomes first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin and cocaine. I think things are bad enough now. 
Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin, cocaine, and meth. Oh, my favorite, crystal meth, in a 59 to 41% vote as of early Wednesday morning, according to the Associated Press. The Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act will transition Oregon's drug policy from a punitive criminal approach to a humane, cost-effective health approach. People suffering from addiction are more effectively treated with healthcare services than with criminal punishments, the bill reads. A healthcare approach includes a health assessment to figure out the needs of people who are suffering from addiction, and it includes connecting them to the services they need. Instead of treating drug users as criminals, Oregon will now offer them addiction services funded by a marijuana tax revenue, which is more than $100 million a year in the state. Only small amounts of drugs are decriminalized, such as less than one gram of heroin or MDMA, two grams of cocaine or methamphetamine, 12 grams of mushrooms, and 40 doses of LSD, Oxycontin, or methadone. Criminal penalties for possession of these amounts are replaced with a fine of up to $100, which can be waived if the user is evaluated at addiction recovery centers. I don't know. White Boy Mike, Mike, I don't do heroin. <laughs> I don't do coke, and I sure as hell don't do meth, and I don't know whether a gram or two grams, I don't know what that is. How many rocks of crystal meth is, is two grams? Forty doses of LSD. That's a small amount of LSD? Damn! Now, I've never done LSDs. I don't know how many doses you need to get a good high, but 40 doses. Oxycontin. I'm assuming you chew those things like, like candy, so that might last you like four or five hours, but damn. You know, I just, I see this, this is one of these, these uh, you know, no good deed goes unpunished type things. And, and I just see this as, that you know, a lot of do-gooders out there, well, let's not arrest them. Let's just, you know, give them managed care and let's do this for them. Let's do that. I'm sure they have the best of intentions. I'm not doubting their intentions, but this is going to become a, a train wreck that people could just have heroin and, and coke and, and meth. Heroin and meth are horrifically destructive drugs and they will destroy your life very quickly my ex and i were together for 15 and a half years and that last six months was absolute hell as i've said before when he got really ramped up on on crystal meth and i'm at the time i'm like i had no idea what that stuff was a friend of mine figured out what he was doing and was like you got to get out of there but it destroyed it destroyed our relationship it destroyed his career it destroyed his his life in general. I mean, it, it was just wiped out in six months on this stuff. And now they're saying out in, in Oregon, which is a hot mess already, that, that it's okay to, to do these things and continue doing them. And they're going to make, they are going to ruin people's lives. And not just the people who do the drugs, because these things aren't in a vacuum. You can't destroy your life and implode everything uh, about yourself on heroin or, or meth in a vacuum where it doesn't affect anyone else. I mean, his meth affected affected us. It, I watched it destroy his business. I watched it just, and the, the collateral damage um, to that was, was widespread. And, and you know, I can imagine where, you know, a, a parent with kids gets, gets hooked on something like this and it's just, it's going to destroy so many lives. It's not going to affect just, just the parents. It's going to screw up the kids. It's going to screw up a lot of things. And, and this is just absolutely insane that they are, they are letting people do this. And they're not, they're not cracking down on this. You know, you know when, I, when, I moved out, when I moved up to Massachusetts, I was out in western Massachusetts. And I was out in Northampton, which is a cute little eclectic town. They, they have like a little rainbow crosswalk. It's very progressive, very PC. 
And I remember, you know, I like to walk into town and you go have lunch and walk around. They have cute little shops and all that stuff. But there were there were these kids out there and they were, I, I don't know, early 20s. You could They were strung out on drugs already in their in their 20s. And they had these little, you know, homeless, please, you know, donate money for food or what have you, which we're going to just turn around and use for drugs. And, and they're in their early, early mid-20s. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, where do you go if you are a recover, even if you get help, right? These drugs are so viciously addictive. Where do you go as a, say, a 23, 24, 25-year-old recovering heroin addict or a recovering meth addict? You want to talk about a rough road to travel. Try staying off of, of one of these hard drugs when your life is in a little bit of turmoil, when, when, when you can, like, like that, you can just, you can get away from everything, right? With, with one little needle or smoking, whatever the hell you do to take these drugs. It's, this is a shame. I mean, this is just, I can't believe they're doing this, but you know, 60% of the state wants it. So they're going to, you know, you reap what you sow. This is from Business Insider. What? Yeah, that was kind of dark, but I, I saw the article and it just, that's just one of my passion things. It's just, it's one of these things where it's like, crap, I'm, I've lived through that. Not as an addict, but I lived through the collateral. I, I was part of the collateral damage and I watched, it's hard when you watch someone destroy themselves like that and there's not a damn thing you can do to save them. I mean, that's just, it's heartbreaking to me and it's one of those regrets and it's not my fault. There was nothing I could do. You know, you get these people who are highly hooked on these things. They don't want to go to rehab. They don't want to get help. There's no problem. You're the problem. You know, they gaslight you and that everything else is the issue, but their, their drug habit, you can't save people like that. And that is going to be one of my regrets that I, I couldn't, there was nothing I could do anyway, but I couldn't, I, I didn't, nothing was done, but let's get into some, let's start. We will start to get into some more lighthearted stories now. Wait, let me not come back. And this is from business insider. Heavy drinking, sex tapes, and a pyramid scheme. Yelp insiders speak out about the company's high-pressure sales culture. A female Yelp employee was on the phone with a small business owner, making a sales pitch for Yelp's advertising services, when the man on the other end of the line announced that he planned to masturbate while thinking of her. Her manager urged her to continue with the sales pitch. And folks, if you don't know what Yelp is, Yelp Yelp is the social justice warrior company that is going to slap your business with a racist label if they get wind of any sort of malfeasance over there if you don't you know treat a minority like like queen elizabeth and they slap they're going to slap a racist label on your business and, and run you out of town but let's find out what else they've been doing the crew behavior was all the more reason for the saleswoman to take the business owner's money she recalled her manager saying because he's gross Multiple other Yelp insiders also said they either felt pressure to interact with sexually inappropriate business owners or witnessed other reps doing so. It's just one example of the intense pressure employees in Yelp's sprawling local sales organization say they face. Business Insider has spoken to 21 current or former employees of the company for a recent investigation into Yelp's sales practices and culture. These sources painted a picture of a culture that's part boiler room and part fraternity house, where a stifling pressure to hit sales targets is always in the air. Sources said that an aggressive make-the-sale mentality manifests itself in other facets of the culture, where, at least before the pandemic, the ranks of young single employees would sometimes blow off steam in the after-hours bacchanals marked by heavy drinking, hookups, and sometimes inappropriate behavior. 
In New York in 2019, a male rep had sex with a manager from another team and, without her knowledge, sure, recorded a video of the act and circulated around the office. He was fired after Yelp became aware of the incident, a spokesperson confirmed. Videos of two employees from Phoenix engaging in a sex act and of a San Francisco employee masturbating have also been shared among employees. They got a lot of time on their hands, apparently, and they got some really interesting viewing habits. A longtime training manager responsible for onboarding new hires in the Chicago office was let go in 2019 after a group of women came forward with claims of repeated sexual advances towards new employees. The sales tactics and the training play hand-in-hand with sexual harassment and party-hard atmosphere that exists in company culture, another employee said. No means no does not exist in our sales tactics. More than a dozen sources also said they personally felt pressure to mislead business owners from loosely explaining how Yelp's products function and exaggerating those products' efficacy to purposefully obfuscating how billing works and inventing stories about their own identities and backgrounds. Some admitted that they had knowingly sold to people who didn't understand what they were buying. Others said they witnessed their colleagues act in ways they considered duplicitous. And more said they fielded regular complaints from angry business owners who felt misled by other Yelp employees. Well, I don't know what to say about that. You know, these are the folks that are policing racist businesses. And they are apparently running pervert central over there. I mean, that's what you get with the San Francisco office. (laughs) But it's everywhere. So, well, they're so busy over slapping racist labels on on companies while they're like harassing each other. Mercy. I guess the rules are for everyone else. But so those social justice warriors at Yelp are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. This is a page six article. Sean Connery's controversial comments on hitting women resurface after death. And yeah, it's kind of sad about Sean Connery. I remember as a kid, my dad loved James Bond. And I remember as a kid watching those movies with my dad. And we would watch the... the, the I, I kind of came into James Bond. I was more of a Roger Moore. When I was coming of age, I could understand it and enjoy it. But I I remember going back and watching the Sean Connery Connery ones. And um, he was a great great James Bond. Um, but he has, he has passed. And now the, the kicking begins. <laughs> As tributes to legendary actor Sean Connery poured in following his death, some controversial comments the star made about hitting women resurfaced. Connery, who died at age 90 last week, infamously told Playboy in 1965, I don't think there is anything particularly wrong about hitting a woman, although I don't recommend doing it in the same way that you hit a man. He added that an open-handed slap is justified if all other alternatives fail and there's been plenty of warning (laughs) And further said, if a woman is a bitch or hysterical or bloody-minded continually, then i do it. Damn, James Bond punching them women. And they're not even on TikTok. Several critics took to Twitter to remind the public about the James Bond star's past statements, including actor Bradley Whitford, who I've never heard of, who wrote on Twitter, Sean Connery seemed cool. Unapologetically beating women is not cool. Sean Connery was an actor loved by many. He was also an abuser, a misogynist, and an advocate for violence against women. The system enabled him to have a long and illustrious career. It's okay to critique that, one woman tweeted over the weekend. Years after his initial remarks, Connery addressed his comments during a 1987 interview with Barbara Walters, saying that he still stood by what he told Playboy. I haven't changed my opinion. If you have tried everything else, and women are pretty good at this, they they can't leave it alone, he told Walters at the time. They want to have the last word, and you give them the last word, but they're not happy with the last word. <laughs> That's not a woman at all, or a queen. 
they want to say it again and get into a really provocative situation, then I think it's absolutely right. And then, in 2006, Connery seemingly flipped his position on the matter. My view is I don't believe that at any level of abuse against women is ever justified under any circumstances, full stop, he told the Times of London in 2006. So, White Boy Malcolm X, let me make sure I have this timeline correct. So, in 1965, which, if I did my math correctly, is 55 years ago, right? Yes. So, 55 years ago, he talked about open-handedly slapping a woman. Then, 33 years ago, in 1987, he said it again. (laughs) And then, 14 years ago, he said, no, under no circumstances is that appropriate. So, I would say that Sean Connery, from 55 years ago, evolved over time. Would you not say it? But, you know, this is perfectly, this is a perfect illustration of, of the cancel culture these days, where you say one thing 55 years ago, or even 33 years ago. Let's say he held these, these beliefs for, for decades, which apparently he did, and then he changed his mind. It's like, you know what, that's wrong, inappropriate, and he has lived his life for, for quite some time without running around talking about how great it is to punch a woman or slap a woman or what have you. And these people will be like, well, he said that once, so he's, you know, we have to, like, you know, criticize him. You know, he's gone. He's dead. And what he said 55 years ago, or what he said 33 years ago, or what he said 14 years ago really isn't relevant anymore. Seriously, folks, just let, if that's, is that burning your britches right now? <laughs> that in the mid-60s he said this, and you got to bring this up. I, I can't believe they're actually, someone, whoever this Bradley Whitford has dug that up 65 years ago. Look what he said. Well, Bradley, I can't wait to see what they dig up about you when you're gone, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Okay, I did promise another article from Monitor on Psychology. And see, now now we're getting into the good stuff. That was kind of, de- yes, I know. I don't even say it, Weber Mechamex. That was kind of depressing, too. Kicking a man while he's dead. More emojis, more sex. <laughs> Those millennials. More frequent use of emojis in text messages to potential romantic partners is associated with more first dates and more sexual activity, suggests a study in PLOS One. Researchers surveyed 5,327 single adults in the United States. Average age was 42, 56% more women, and found that 28% of participants reported regularly using emojis in text messages with potential dates, while 38% reported never using them. The most common motive participants reported for using emojis was that they gave text messages more personality and made it easier to express feelings. The survey found that those who reported using emojis more often also tended to report having more first dates and more frequent sexual activity over the past year. Which emojis, White Boy Malcolm X, do you think get you laid the most? Because that's obviously not in the study. <laughs> like, not the poo. Well, I guess for some people that that would that the poo emoji might get them excited. Goodness. And this is from the Fresno Bee. And, well, I guess it doesn't involve dominatrix hookers on a church altar, but the Catholic Church has more problems. Catholic Church accuses Fresno area priests of violence, gang ties, court documents show. A restraining order filed by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Fresno accused a Selma priest of physical abuse, street gang ties, and marijuana use. Well, he should just really go up to Oregon, then he can do heroin and meth. The Reverend Guadalupe Rios has been placed on administrative leave from St. Joseph's Church in Selma pending investigation, Cheryl Sarkissian, Chancellor for the Diocese of Fresno, said in a statement to the Bee on Tuesday. 
This is a matter of an internal investigation, and the confidentiality and privacy of all concerned parties will be respected and upheld, Sarkeesian said. I can confirm that Father Rios has been placed on paid administrative leave while the investigation is in process. Church officials filed the restraining order last week in Fresno County Superior Court. The diocese allegations say Rios was involved in a physical and romantic relationship with his office assistant, a 41-year-old woman who the B is not naming. So for once. <laughs> well, twice now, White Boy Magamax, because the last time we heard about a priest banging someone who wasn't a teenage boy or younger, it was the priest in Louisiana with the two dominatrix hookers. But this one is banging a middle-aged woman. <laughs> well, we're having some improvement there, folks. The request for a restraining order describes a rocky relationship over about four years that the woman ended last summer. Over the years, the woman says Rios struck her face and knocked her to the floor more than once. So obviously Father Rios was also a fan of Sean Connery. The woman describes Rios as a heavy drinker and marijuana smoker who also owns multiple firearms that he used to threaten her life. She describes him as potentially suicidal at times and notes an alleged Russian roulette incident earlier this year inside the Selma Church's rectory. So no sex, but Russian roulette. Good God. In that incident, according to court documents, Rios asked the woman to shoot him and then told her either one or both of them would die. In court documents, church officials and the woman also accused Rios of having ties to criminal street gangs. He is a past gang member or associate and still maintains friendships with gang members, the court says. Several priests within the... Because this... Folks, you can't just have one nutty priest in a diocese. You've got to have a couple. Several priests within the Diocese of Fresno have been placed on paid administrative leave over the past two years, pending investigations into sexual misconduct allegations. Sarkisian wouldn't comment on the status of the other priests who have been placed on leave. This probably isn't funny, but, you know, White Boy Magamax, what is worse for the, the, the poor, beleaguered Diocese of Fresno? Would it be the, uh, the gangster priest who smokes dope and beats women or the ones that, that diddled the, uh, the altar boys? They, they can't win out there. Bless their hearts. Uh-oh, White Boy Malcolm X. We are, we are getting dangerously close. One more story. Dangerously close to the, the sub-pile I alluded to earlier uh, at the beginning of the podcast. And guess who's back? Becky's back. Jerry Falwell Jr., wife, allegedly played sex-ranking games with students. Jerry Falwell Jr. allegedly played games with his wife Becky in which they'd rank Liberty University students they most wanted to have sex with, according to one student who claimed to have been intimate with Becky. And let's face it, folks, who hasn't been intimate with Becky on the Liberty University campus? The ex-student, who claims Becky initiated oral sex with him 10 years ago, told Politico that she bragged about playing the sex-ranking game while walking around the Virginia campus with her evangelical leader husband. Her and Jerry would eye people down on campus, the former student at the conservative school told the outlet. She didn't go into specifics, but said, Oh, me and Jerry play games all the time, like who would you rather with people on campus? I'll never forget that, he told the site. The former student, who was not identified, was a member of a band with the Falwell son Trey and said he was 22 when Becky initiated oral sex when he stayed overnight. You know, I used to joke, was it last week, the week before, where are the parents? Where's the friend? I mean, where's the son when, when the, the friend is getting blown by mom? <laughs> God. What's that kid doing? He, he doesn't notice that? In fact, she allegedly told her friend that the only thing Falwell would be upset about was not getting to watch the sex session, as he is said to have watched his wife having sex with former pool boy and Italian stud Giancarlo Granda, the outlet noted. Granda also told Political that Jerry would often joke about having a crush on certain students. 
White boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you. Do you think that, because I'm curious about the Would You Rather game that the two of them are walking around, because apparently, allegedly, Jerry liked to watch young men bang his wife. So I'm wondering, when they're playing the Would You Rather, are they both looking at men? Is this like where he wants the thrill of sleeping with a guy, but not really because he can't, but the wife can, so he gets off on her sleeping with the boy? I'm wondering, is he like looking at women, is she looking at men, or are they both looking at men? See, I, I think I think they are both looking at men, but I don't know. I'm just allegedly, that's just, I mean, it makes sense to me that they're both kind of looking at the same the same people and then she winds up blowing him or having sex with him and he watches and does whatever he he does okay here we go folks i am never ever ever joking about people taking a week off from banging young men tiktok stars (laughs) yes folks a tiktok star so i already want to punch her tiktok star zoe laverne apologizes for kissing her 13 year old fan man she is a Cradle robber. A 19-year-old TikTok star is facing backlash after a leaked video showed her kissing a 13-year-old fan when they just ended up catching feelings for each other. Zoe Laverne, who I've never heard of, who has nearly 18 million followers on the app, damn, apologized in a live stream this week for her actions but denied grooming the young fan and fellow TikToker Connor. I didn't groom Connor. I wouldn't do that. He's a kid and I'm aware of that. It just happened, she said in the stream, according to Business Insider. We both were in a dark place when we first became friends, and we both just ended up catching feelings for each other. And friends do that. They catch feelings for each other. I bet. That's not a bad thing. Yes, the age is a bad thing. Yes, it's wrong. Yes, it's not good. We both realized that, and we stopped. Connor, who goes by at Connor Joyce, C-X-N-N-O-R, Joyce, on the app, and has over 350,000 followers, frequently 350,000 people following a 13-year-old boy on TikTok. Now we know where all the, the, the creepers are. <laughs> Frequently collaborates with Laverne in her videos. However, Laverne said they have since ended their relationship. A few weeks ago, messages between a former friend of Laverne's and her ex-boyfriend leaked, in which her former pal called Laverne's interactions with Connor pedophilia. Well, technically, <laughs> white boy Malcolm X is giving me like he's raising an eyebrow like, oh God, what are you going to say? Technically, it's not pedophilia. <laughs> it's... I know that. Why are you going back? like, how do you know that? I know that because I have a, a two degrees in psychology. I have an undergraduate and a master's degree in psychology. And I had to take a deviant sexuality class. And there's all sorts of things that I wish I didn't know, but I know. And there is a difference. Pedophilia is prepubescent. So if she were, say, making out with a an eight-year-old boy, that is pedophilia. But a 13-year-old boy is postpubescent. And that is called... Um, Ephibophilia, an ephibophile, or something like that. Um, so technically, she's not a pedophile; she's an ephibophile. <laughs> You're welcome, White Boy Malcolm X. I'm glad I could explain that for you and and to everyone listening. Later videos leaked on social media that appear to show the two kissing. In a statement posted to Instagram story, my God, these these kids are everywhere. I got every social media. How do, how do they have time to do school or anything else? Because they've got to keep up with like TikTok and and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and and God knows what else is out there. Connor said Laverne did not rape him. Well, that's good to know. 
Laverne said that she told Connor's mother about the kiss after it happened. Of course, a woman who kisses and tells, according to screenshots that appear to be taken from her private Instagram account. That's not too private. She wasn't happy, obviously, but she understood that we are both teenagers and feelings can be caught. The TikTok star's own mother has defended her daughter's actions. You know, she didn't say anything about it being, <laughs> my daughter's not a pedophile. She's a febophile. Anyone can reach over and kiss someone. Their best friend, she said in that one. Oh, these TikTok kids. I just want to slap all of them. Former Alabama substitute teacher admits to having sex with two students. So, yes, folks, normally with teachers, one kid's enough. (laughs) But the substitute teacher's like, she's doubling down on that. A former substitute teacher in Alabama, which, folks, let's just face it, it's right next to Florida, has pleaded guilty to having sex with two high school students, according to a report. Whitley Mazell, 32, who previously taught for St. Clair County Schools, pleaded guilty Monday to three counts of performing a sex act or deviant sex act with a student, according to court documents cited by the Daily Home. Mazell of Ragland was sentenced by a judge to a split 10-year term, beginning with two years in Alabama State Prison, followed by three years of supervised probation. Oh, so this one actually has to go to jail. A lot of them just get, like, probation. They don't have to actually do any time for doing the boys. They just kind of get a little slap on the wrist. The former sub will also have to register as a sex offender and may also be ordered to complete the remaining eight years of her sentence behind bars if she violates conditions of her probation, according to the report. It's unclear where the sex acts took place. Oh my God, what kind of reporters like, where'd they do it? Where'd they do it? The identities of the students, both of whom were under the age of 19, have not been released, WBMA reported after Mazelle's arrest last summer. So that one's going to jail. But... I guess they don't treat them the same in Illinois. Ex-teacher assistant who had sex with teen boy gets probation. A 24-year-old former teaching assistant in Illinois who admitted to having sex with a 14-year-old student has been sentenced to four years of probation, according to a report. Alisa Gustafson pleaded guilty in September to aggravated criminal sexual abuse stemming from an inappropriate relationship with a student at the Circle Academy in Urbana, where she worked as a teacher's aide. Judge Roger Weber on Friday said he did not believe Gustafson, who had no prior criminal convictions, was a danger to the public, the News Gazette reported, because she got got her one and done over with. He noted that the requirement that Gustafson register as a sex offender for life, the modern-day equivalent of the Scarlet Letter, would serve as punishment. In return for her plea, Assistant State's Attorney Kristen Alfrenick dismissed a more serious count of criminal sexual assault, according to the newspaper. Alfrenick, who sought a five-year prison sentence, reminded the judge that Gustafson and the boy had several sexual encounters between May and August 2019. She sent him photos of herself in lingerie in a bathing suit, he said, adding that Gustafson had told the teen to delete any social media posts between the two of them. Her attorney, Mark Lipton, argued that she is not a danger to the community and will be closely monitored while on probation. I made a terrible error in judgment, and this has hurt a lot of people, Gustafson said tearfully as she apologized to the boy, who probably wasn't complaining, and his mother, who was in court, as well as her own parents. I am sorry for the pain I have caused so many people, she said. Man, oh man. And I know some of you out there probably think I'm just a misogynist because I report on all these female students just banging the crap out of their teenage, teenage boy students. But, folks, but... I am not a complete misogynist because in Florida, of course, we got a guy doing the same thing. 
And so I'm going to report on that too if I can catch them. But it's mostly the women. The women just, they see those teenage boys and like, mm, gotta get me some, like Kevin Spacey, like, mm, gotta get me that. But apparently we also have a man who's doing it. Florida teacher allegedly sent explicit photo to student for naked hot tub night. A Florida middle school teacher allegedly sent a student an X-rated photo on social media during what he dubbed Naked Hot Tub Night, authorities said. Bill Burns French, 34, who teaches science at Oakview Middle School in Newberry, was busted Thursday and admitted to exchanging lewd Instagram messages with a student on October 25th, the Gainesville Sun reported. After first sharing some jokes and chatting about sports, French allegedly turned the conversation sexual while writing it was naked hot tub night and sending the student a photo of his genitals, according to the sheriff's report obtained by the newspaper. The student's father later intercepted the sexually explicit messages and warned the eighth grade teacher to stay away from his child, who deleted most of the Instagram conversation before the photo was shared, deputies said. Can you imagine being the father and you're looking at your kid's phone and some guy's nutsack just pops right up there? You're like, ah! French eventually admitted to sending the photo while being read his rights, where he doesn't have to admit anything, but apparently he wanted to get that off his chest. He was arrested Thursday and had been put on administrative leave earlier in the week, the Gainesville Sun reported. French was charged with child cruelty and using a communications device during a felony. White boy Malcolm X, what do you think was child cruelty about? He had a really nasty nutsack. But that could be true. His balls were really hideous, and that could be considered child cruelty to send ugly ball sacks, ball sack pics to, to your students. Mercy. I wonder what, what uh, time in jail he's going to get, if any. Two more stories, and we're done, and we're staying in Florida right now. Florida man, 49, arrested after meltdown over lack of lettuce. And this is from The Smoking Gun. Angered that a burger joint had no more lettuce for their sandwiches, a Florida man allegedly caused a disturbance late Wednesday that resulted in his arrest on a pair of criminal charges. Police say that Henry R. Caballero, 49, was beating on the windows of a Checkers restaurant in Largo, a city in the Tampa Bay area. White boy Malcolm X. Look at Henry. Dead sexy indeed. I agree, sir. Arcabeo was melting down cops charged because he was upset that the store had no more lettuce for their sandwiches. According to the criminal complaint, he was yelling and screaming at Checkers employees, causing them to fear for their safety. When police arrived at the eatery around 11.30 p.m., Arcabrero, who was in his car, refused to identify himself, prompting an officer to remove him from the vehicle. So he actually, White Boy Malcolm X, he was hanging around. He did not get his lettuce, and he just sat in his car, pouting like a little child. And if he didn't, if he refused to identify himself, he could he could just say my my butt just floored. <laughs> like that other dumb Florida chick. The defendant was uncooperative with me and denied the allegations. A patrol man reported. Art Cabrera was charged with disorderly conduct in an establishment and resisting an officer without violence, both misdemeanors. I got nothing else on that one. Guy banging on the door about lettuce, and then just sits. His car. Was he waiting for the lettuce truck to show up? Heavens, that man was stupid. And finally, folks, and we are going back to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is not near Louisiana, and I'm not going to say in White Boy Macamax, don't even let that come out of your mouth, because we are not going to say that, that this is a Louisiana story, this is an Oklahoma story. Headline, police, man took sex toy for a test drive. 
And this white boy, Malcolm X, reminds me, remember that, uh, speaking of Florida, because we were just in Florida with the last story with the, with the lettuce powder, that Florida woman who was arrested, she went into like a sex store and took a dildo and she started using it and she was really enjoying it. And so she goes back into the storeroom and she like plops herself in a seat and just starts really going at it. And that's when the cops show up. But this is kind of, I guess men do this too. An Oklahoma man is facing an indecency charge after allegedly taking a sex toy for a test drive inside an adult novelty store, according to court records. Can you wipe by Malcolm X picture an adult novelty store, a sex store in Oklahoma? God. Man, that has got to be that's got to be a scary sight. Gilbert Cordero, 23, was recently arrested in connection with a bizarre incident last year at an Oklahoma City business. Cordero, free on $500 bail, has pleaded not guilty to a misdemeanor charge of outraging public indecency. Now, that's a good charge to, to put there. Outraging public decency. Cordero, seen it right. Another dead sexy. Yeah, you're right, White Butt Macquarie. You're calling him good today. Cordero is next scheduled for a December 3rd hearing in district court. According to a probable cause affidavit, Cordero went into a sex toy shop and tried in Oklahoma, folks, if you can if you can visualize that, and tried a piece of merchandise which was out on display. Specifically, the business was Carly's, and the item in question was an auto blow device. Cops charged that after Cordero walked up to the merchandise shelf, he licked his fingers on one hand and then used those digits to get his penis wet. Cordero, whose actions were recorded by a store surveillance camera. Then also licks his fingers on his other hand and appears to get the entrance area of the auto blow wet. You would think if it's an auto blow, it would already be wet. I guess not. As a 28-year-old female employee watched on a security monitor, Cordero placed his penis into the sex toy and began thrusting his hips into the auto blow. That doesn't sound like an auto blow if he's got to do all the work. He eventually returned the device to a shelf and walked away after the worker hit an alarm they have inside the store. So she must have been sitting there watching that for quite some time. The employee told police that she recognized Cordero as he had previously put in job applications at the establishment. So he really wanted to work there. Can you see that guy at the night shift alone at night in the back room? Mercy, they'd be, they'd be all used merchandise by the, by the next day. A criminal information filed against Cordero accuses him of committing an act injurious to public morals by making movements consistent with masturbation while utilizing a sex toy device on display for sale in a store open to the public. The Autoblows creators describe, here you go, White Boy Malcolm X, or for for any of you folks who are interested in this as a product um, and using it, here you go. The Autoblows creators describe the electric self-gratification product as an affordable, tried and trusted basic blowjob machine. The autoblow models are available on the manufacturer's website, where fat lube and other accessories can be purchased. Or you can just lick your finger like that guy did. The device is reportedly easy to clean (laughs) and relies on silicone interchangeable sleeves. And on that note, folks, (laughs) we're just going to plug pull. We can't can't top the guy, you know, using the autoblow in the sex shop in Oklahoma, not Louisiana. So folks say thanks a lot for, for listening to today's podcast and the Miller Frost show. Remember I am Miller Frost, your host, and I am also America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. You can reach me on my email. I always forget to give this out at the beginning, but it is Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. Have a great uh, end of your week this evening and a great start to your week. And we look forward to having you back here next Sunday. Take care.
Hey, Ray Maliazzi here. I'd like to carry more parts at my shop, but I just don't have the room. Every time I go in the back to get wiper blades, I trip over a dusty crate of Honda air filters, then bang my head on some GTO radiator hoses. eBay Motors never has that problem. They stock all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them, with everything from new headlights to vintage gear shifters. I can't imagine being able to stock 122 million parts. I mean, where would I get all those shelves? eBay Motors. Let's ride. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>